How are your stocks doing today, Peter? I don't check the stock market. You don't? No. We're in like a recession and we're not in a recession. <laughs> and it's like a, there's some fancy term when it like spikes up. Didn't they change the definition of a recession? Yeah. <laughs> uh, too much. I wish I still had some student debt so I could get some kizash. <laughs> hey, you can go take some on. I think we get in. in <laughs> I'll, I'll lend you some money. There you go. Student there you go. Debt. We'll do that again, and then we'll we'll hire some people and get the relief. There's another relief package coming to employers who have people on payroll. <laughs> Too bad. So, well, we what does never, your business do? We just abuse uh, programs. <laughs> we were never never got to the level where we could really put people on payroll, but we should have gone in the red doing that so we get back in the green from the relief package (laughs) solid solid business plan there um cool welcome to front end first we are going to be talking about some stuff today we've been working on a new project that's what we're most excited about and we want to talk more about it but we're probably gonna wait a week but it's going to be live soon i hate Um, when you i hate when you do this little tease tease. I, I, i hate it uh but yeah that's gonna we're gonna have some more stuff to talk about but we can talk about we want to talk about some of the engineering things related to testing this time with that project. So yeah. we've been working on it for about two weeks. Um, we're trying like the six week cycle, I guess. Like what can we fit in the six weeks? We started two weeks ago. I guess this is week three um, or week two or something like that. And, um, you know, it's fun with Vercel. makes it so easy. We have preview branches. We got our DNS wired up so we have the domain and everything. And something we like to do, I think we've talked about this before in the podcast, what we like to do at the beginning of a project is instead of getting a bunch of stuff working locally and then deploying it, it's like, let's get the web page working, let's get Tailwind installed, everything configured the way we like it, TypeScript build, blah, blah, get it hooked up to GitHub, you know, and get it deploying on Merge because mm-hmm. that's like the workflow we want. Because then once you take care of that stuff at the beginning, there's going to be things you add later on that make that more complicated like running tests or resetting your database or whatever. And so you get to amortize that cost as you add those features once they show up. But right now we don't even have a backend, um, a database yet because we want to ship a version of the site that doesn't need it first and then add the feature, add the database once we need a feature that needs the database. Is it, it's very easy to get like a first task and be like, Oh, I need all this infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think our first step is always like, well, what can you do today? And at the end of the day, get it deployed. Right. And yeah, because those like, you just don't want deployment surprises at the end of a six week cycle. Right. Cause then it would be an eight week cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it feels really good how fast we're moving. I'm really happy with like our tech choices and the stack and everything, especially compared to like when we started Ember map six years ago, it's pretty awesome. There's a lot of really cool stuff that's come out. Um, one thing, though, that is still kind of like an open question with like the stack we use is a testing story. And that was always like a big focus of both like Rails community and the Ember community. Mm-hmm. And um, we still didn't have like a perfect story there, but it was good enough. Definitely good enough. Um, yeah, I really I both Rails and Ember. I think they like testing is first class. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this is like. It's a really interesting problem. It's a tough problem when you kind of take the approach we're taking with this stack, which is basically like services, using services for things like sending emails, 
whether it's MailChimp or Drip, using a service like a Hasura for your backend, using a service like Firebase for your auth, um, Stripe for your checkout. Uh, so we already have like five. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, you know, there's this principle that was really like impactful to me, I think from like the ThoughtBot days of their blogging and teaching online and podcasting where they were like, they were a consultancy that was big in the rails community and they always talked about testing and you know, the whole TDD thing was like one part of it, which wasn't as important to me, but what was important to me was this idea that like you're always testing your app. It's just whether you're doing it manually <laughs> and like that's so obvious to me now, but I remember it being really impactful when I first heard that. I, I still, I know I still love it when I hear it, man. It's, it's yeah, it's true because it reminds you of like, it's kind of like a life, that life lesson of like not making a decision is still making a decision. You're <laughs> yeah. like, shoot, I can't escape this, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just helps you, it helps remind you. So, uh, when you are clicking around something, even if it's new and seeing if the checkout button works in test mode, you're testing. And the question is just whether you're doing it manually over and over again, or you have some automated way to do it. Now, when we, worked on Ember apps with like a rails. So if you work on like a rails app, a standard like SSR app that comes with like a batteries included framework, like a rails or a Laravel, you have most of the pieces there. And so you control them. And so testing is built into it in a sense, because the story is kind of like local first and you run everything. And usually the add-ons or libraries or ecosystems have thought about that since you kind of are responsible for it. And there's, although you can use services in Rails, the Rails community has like adapted this, like adopted this kind of this culture of you use gems and the gems do things locally. So for example, you want to use auth instead of using Firebase auth, like we're using typical Rails setup, we'd use like device. Right. And device comes with a whole bunch of test helpers. Right. It doesn't need an internet connection. doesn't need to talk to Firebase's servers. Right. So it's like super easy to test. Right. Uh, and that's really nice, especially when you get into like a data-driven website, which is kind of like what we're, I mean, we are, it's not as unique and personal and data-driven as like a piece of accounting software, but there are definitely different states in the app. And, uh, you know, at Ember map, once we had added like the last feature we were going to add there, I guess there was definitely plenty of states that you'd want to be able to put the app in when you're building new features, you want to see what the homepage looks like for someone who has an account or who doesn't someone who has watched a certain video or hasn't and someone who's an admin. So there's already a combination there of eight different things or whatever it is. Yep. So, um, the way you do that in rails with everything completely locally, there's like some answers there where you can like seed your database in different scenarios. When we were doing Ember and rails, we would mock out backend uh, APIs so that you could, actually just from the front end and put the front end in different scenarios. That was really cool. And we started doing that because you kind of realize like this contract between your front end and your back end is like basically fixed. Once you kind of use standard enough tools, you know, we use like JSON API resources. And so that was like, it's kind of like, uh, the contract is not yours. You're not writing it. We weren't right. writing like these bespoke, uh, data payloads that you would always end up being causing bugs because we were like being inconsistent, right? We're using a library that did consistent payloads. So once the JSON made it to the Ember front end, your 
that's really where 80 to 90% of your work is. Yep. The back end became like dumber and dumber in that sense, almost like a SQL databases to Rails app. And so in Rails, um, in the same way that like you just want to get your active record model seated uh, and you can put your app in a different state, we do the same thing with our, our SPAs and Ember. And um, we've done that with some React apps too because it's the same thing, the same idea. Basically, if you're using a standard enough API like a Hasura or a Firebase, you don't really care about the data going over the wire in a sense. I mean, you want to count for all the situations, but you don't need to like start off, give me a Firebase server that has a user that has this and then look at the front end because there's that's the problem with these services. There's so many moving parts. A lot of times it's easier to just cut off at the boundary. And what I really want to do is make my React components behave in a way that it would for a, an admin or something like that. Right, right. I think a tricky thing with services is you don't know where the boundary is and you don't necessarily own the boundary. So mm -hmm. we decided that our Rails app was going to use JSON API resources. Mm -hmm. So we knew like that was a contract. Mm -hmm. We don't know how the Firebase JavaScript SDK communicates with um, Firebase's servers. Now, of course, we could always go like look at the network tab right. and mock that out. Right. But we're like, we're opening the hood at that point. Right. Like that's not public API. Right. And they could always change that and that's going to leave us in a really bad spot. So right. I think that's like one of the, the really hard things about testing services and then also Serv services you don't own because Ember to rail is basically services, but you own both you of own them. them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then so the you more, get a clean boundary, the more services you get, the services need to talk to each other via like webhooks and their backends. And so it's not just the rails app sending Jason down to the SPA. It's now, Firebase and Hasura communicating auth status with each other. Right. Stripe in Stripe sending uh, webhooks into Hasura, and just yeah, you get like uh, that that exponential um, explosion, the combinatorial yes. explosion of uh, uh, everything that can talk to each other. Right. Yeah. And it is interesting that like you look at these services and you think, wow, like I'm going to be flying. I get auth super quickly. I get you know, database super quickly. Uh, and you do, I mean, you do. Yeah. You know, and that, that first, you know, that weekend yeah. code you write, look at the first day we were doing Stripe. I mean, we had yeah. more features and we ended up with Ember map yeah. because of Stripe checkout after writing like five lines of code in two different webhooks. You yeah, know? Ab absolutely. Um, it's, it's a testing you like you, you don't, at least I don't feel like I'm paying for it by sacrificing testing until I need to write a test. And right. then I kind of end up in this, um, now I need to like architect a whole test suite, like a whole, how do I get all these things tested? Where do I mock? And it feels very, like very architecture heavy. Yeah, you're not working on your app anymore. The best yes. part about the service is like, I need customer account management. Boom, drop a line of code in and you're done. And it's like, that's the same for every app. Every yeah. subscription site should basically have the same options for users who have subscriptions. And that's like where you want to be as an app developer is like working on app code and like not doing plumbing. And so that's great. Exactly. But like you said, it's like the plumbing cost comes when you need to do tests. I mean, because we were clicking around, like to verify everything worked, we were clicking around the Stripe checkout and test mode in our dev server. So we did that because we didn't know if what we wrote worked. So we did that. And until we were confident the integration was correct, and we checked that things were updated in the Stripe dashboard, just making sure it all works like anyone would do. But that question is like, okay, once you're in this, this is a case where the, once you're in the Stripe portal, the 
customer portal or whatever, or the checkout flow, you don't care about all those states because that's what they handle, right? Mm -hmm. But you, so that's not something, that is something that's like, I think Ryan Florence had this tweet one time where he said, some code is, uh, services are hard to set up because you have this kind of initial code. It can be confusing. It's hard to hold in your head. Okay, we have authenticated backend with Hasura to Firebase that has our token. Now we need to check out. A user needs to have an account in Hasura for us so we can give them access to videos and they need to be authenticated with Firebase. But when they click checkout to subscribe, we need to know that that was like a trusted message and that this trusted piece of data, which is like the verified user ID, gets back to us. And it's like confusing. It's like if you draw the flow, it's like confusing to understand. How do you send the user ID that you know is verified in a secure way? Okay, there's like this cust there's like this property on Stripe called uh, client reference ID. client reference ID that comes back, and so that's how you know it's it's like we talk through it, and like I mean it would have been hard for me to do it by myself. Like just it's it's good to talk through it, right? And we got there, but there's it's like an inf I think he called it like a an, an infrastructure like an upfront infrastructure cost, which mm -hmm. is like, these are just more complicated than like the setup flow that a device gem in Rails can give you because yep. they control more of it. Stripe checkout needs to work with like anything. So they need to have a lower level enough thing. Whereas like device knows it's mounted in a Rails app. It knows how to get a user. It knows how to query the database um, and access a session and all that stuff. So there's like this infrastructure upfront cost that comes with these services. And then that's compared to like an architecture cost, which is if you were to take ownership of this code and this flows that like a service can take care of for you, you end up writing a lot more code yourself. You understand it. It's easier to test, but it's complex and it's a lot more code. So there's this cost that's kind of there over the lifetime of the project. Yep. So that's an, and he was saying there's a benefit there. And I was agreeing, nodding my head when I was reading it, because even if it feels like, I don't fully understand this. It's five lines of code in your app or whatever. And it's never going to change, basically. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but then you have this problem, right? Which is like, we're clicking to test around that it works. Okay, it works. It feels good. And this is mostly done up front. Like, mostly once this is going, we don't need to test that the customer portal... We don't need to test any of the customer portal's features every time we deploy an app, our app, right? Because we don't write those features. We, we, right. So that's the benefit. We don't need right. to cover the features that the service provides in our test suite because... We don't want to say, I can visit stripe.com and, and change our new credit yeah, exactly, card number exactly. because we know that Ex exactly. Stripe has tests for that. And if like, yeah. we, we're choosing Stripe right. because, because we trust it. so yes. solid. Exactly. Whereas, um, you know, like maybe we did have a flow that we tested there. You can cancel a subscription and we made sure it was canceled or something like that, right? Um, that we wouldn't need now or some changing your information on Stripe or whatever. So that's the benefit. And it's kind of the same thing we were saying, but it, I, I think this is a, an interesting framing, which is like the infrastructure cost, which is like one time upfront mm -hmm. and it can make you feel really out of your element, you know, like, Imagine we use like a new cron service to send something every whatever. Like it's going to feel weird compared to what we would know how to do already in Rails and Heroku or whatever. But like you get it set up and then it just works and that's cool. But then on the flip side is is like this other stuff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? There's there, the, it's it's 
that's a benefit, but then the flip side is it, it's a testing. Exactly. I think, I think you can, I think it's easy to fall into a trap of you pay that upfront inner, inner, inner structure cost. And then now you're right back to architecting again, because you need to architect a system where you can test that when a Stripe account gets canceled right. on Stripe system, it actually flows right. through back into our system correctly. And that's something right. we do need to test. We do need to know like when someone cancels their account, yeah, they it, it's more cancels like we're going to take the videos away. What we really need to test is when someone buys something, yeah, now they have access to yeah. everything. So we yep. have to figure out how do we like, how do we write a test for that? Yeah, and and it might be the case as it often has that it turns out having an automated test that verifies a flow that covers five services is not actually realistic or practical to write. So you end up just writing some testing around like the hook like the webhook somehow, right? Um, instead of like actually spinning up a test Firebase account, a test Azure account, and your test Stripe account and making sure all those things work together. Um, again, like it's just kind of, there's a there's a tension there somewhat where, you, not a tension, but there's yeah, a, there's, there is a tension, but there's also an argument that you shouldn't, if you, cover the integration the stuff that works together like y yes we rely on stripe sending a webhook to our serverless functions in our next app in order to get people subscribed uh are we going to have a test that runs every time we deploy that says i'm an anonymous user i click check out and then i can watch a premium video that's the kind of test we would write in ember map yeah and i don't think so i think the answer is no because there's just like it's the trade-off you're making. I, I, so I don't know. I, I want to figure out an answer to this. For me, I need to be able to to, to take a shot at the tequila at like 5 p.m. on and Friday. And deploy, yeah. Deploy uh, and then rip another I'm, shot. <laughs> that, like, no, seriously, I, seriously. No, I, I need I, to. I, and so if, I mean, that's if, what we do every Friday, yeah. right? <laughs> but if, if, if there's going to be a voice in the back of my head that's like, oh, don't deploy because like you've changed some Hasura code, which the webhook could affect. And like, really, you should test this. But and by test, I mean, like walk through it. Yeah. Just make sure it all works. Oh, that, no, you're not. In a I'm, not gonna spot. No, I'm not going to deploy. I'm not going to deploy because because what's interesting to me, man, is like the webhook stuff. I know it's like what people rely on, but that's actually to me kind of a, the weird, interesting part of it. That's like to me, even if you deployed and you walked through it and it worked the whole time is running like you have to wait for a webhook to come from stripe to hasura that feels to me like the fickle part almost because it's not part of like the request response flow it's like happening yeah, out like, of band and you have no way to see yeah there's more systems that exactly you have to watch. it's more like but so that's kind of like well you just have to trust really i mean like you do and i also trust that like the, the webhook stuff, like maybe it fails, but Stripe can try it again in five minutes. Right. Like right. I, I trust that there's like good solid but what engineering if they, there. Yeah. It's more, it's more like we make a change to, our, they to our database. Yeah. Yeah. And that breaks our, our SQL client that's running in the webhook, but we never directly talk to the right. webhook. Right. And right. therefore our webhook's just busted and we don't actually know. Right. And so I want to figure out right. a good, a good testing strategy right. for that. Something that gives me confidence that yeah that our webhook is running correctly yeah 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 interesting mm -hmm. i wonder like yeah it's 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 almost like you want also i i should say i'm a big believer someone that like has written a ton of rails apps with all these gems like, yeah i think services are the future the, yeah the stuff that you get 
from all these services. You're, you feel like you're building on like the 30th. Floor. I know. I know. And That's so, why it's worth it. But this is the, the cost. Right. But it's, right. It's unbelievable. Like how right. much code we've written in the past, even for controller endpoints or whatever yeah. that we've seen gone wrong. Right. The cost, the places that they go wrong there is like just the complexity of it. You know, and the joint, slow joints, whatever, all the stuff you get. It's not, first. That, it's not even that. It's just the fact that, like, I'm never going to add uh, Apple Pay to my right. five-year-old subscription form. But right. guess what? Stripe is going to add that the day it comes out. Right. And, right. So, exactly. and so it's, yep. it's yep. just you're moving with the speed of Stripe. Yep. Uh, yep. Are you working for them? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like that. Stripe.com slash Ryan to, <laughs> to get 30% off. Um. I think, so, okay, we did the Stripe checkout thing, right? When you click purchase, they wait for a response from the webhook, right? Don't they? they wait. No, no, no. No, they, no, no. When you click purchase, we generate a Stripe session, and then we- When you're in the session, and you're checking out, and therefore, you put the credit card form, in, yeah. and then you click buy yep. on Stripe.com. Yep. Don't they wait for- yes. A webhook yep. that's going to our server. Yep. And is that where we fulfill the purchase? Yeah. They basically So if it wasn't that. listening, it would say they're checking their the the form I don't I think it actually just spins and waits forever and they get an error. So you this is this is the, the case that I worry about or I think could potentially keep keep me up because like again, so Ember Map did everything from our server. So you make a request to subscribe, we can show you whatever UI you want. But there is a chunk of Ruby code that is doing all this stuff, and it's talking to the server. It's like, to me, it's very different than a webhook. I mean, it is very different. Than yeah, it is. It's like literally a wait, create subscription with this user. You're in Ruby. You have your auth session. You have your user ID. And then once it works, you get to respond. So happens in the request response lifecycle. So that just feels, maybe it's just because it's something I'm more comfortable with, but it feels like way more ironclad to me. Whereas here... The front end is like in, in, in the Ruby app, the front end is like the air traffic controller. It's in full control. So it's, right. it says, okay, I'm going to go send my credit card information off to Stripe and then get back a token. And I'm going to take that token and I'm going to go send it to the Rails app and the Rails app is going to respond. Right. And so at any point, if there's an error, there's like a try catch block in the front end mm -hmm. and the front end can say like, oh, there was an error, like, yeah. you know, fire off alerts to us, whatever, yeah. whatever it does. Yeah. Um, but with this webhook world, like we're sending the user like off our domain. Yeah. And then the way the user comes back to our domain is like first the Stripe pings our webhook and right. says like, hey, everything worked. But they're totally out of band. Go, I mean, yeah, so, totally, yeah. the user just they're off they're not like we don't have that air traffic controller right. that's that's directing right. everything. Um, I do think there's there's the benefits sure. to all this. But yeah, it's it's definitely a lot scarier. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just think about this, like one way of testing is like, uh, is with like monitoring with like Grafana yes. and just saying like, Hey, we haven't had a sign up in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Something's broken. That's what I, I was thinking. No, totally. And I think we've, uh, heard from folks at like meetups or conference talks from large companies when you get to like a bigger scale where that's literally the only thing you can do because they inevitably have services talking to each other. Yep. You know, the recommended bookshelf on Netflix is literally coming from an entire like department that's working on that and machine learning and everything. And so they're not going to test that. It's not, you know, it's themselves. They don't own it in the same way we, we don't own Stripe. And so 
you have to set up monitoring just to see unusual behavior as a proxy for whether something breaks. I was thinking it even more like one way you could even think about this is like it almost something that would make me more confident would be like when you click buy now from our website, it's like we create a job or like a record in our back end and then we can always look and see uh they're hanging records yeah exactly yeah. and there will be some because some people, people will get, cancel get get through the flow and they just close the and window. close the window yeah right but that yeah that is a good way like the but you could also five. compare that with like the data in right because the thing that you don't ever want is someone to pay you money and then not have access because of the server server communication broke right, down. right. so that's what you'd want to know you want to see everyone who has a paid money and so their stripe customer has an active subscription but for whatever reason they don't have his active flag in our hasera backend yeah. or whatever yeah. and i feel like you could do that uh it would be, it would be a lot of work like it we wouldn't start doing that to do that right but right it is a lot of setup and also too like for smaller like you're you're running gmail and you know if you're not sending a thousand emails a second yeah but that something's broken right. but with us it's like it might be there's enough yeah. variance there yeah. That you wouldn't know if it was a problem necessarily. Yeah. Um, you know, just also to like another approach here would be like y you have this explosion of services and we know we're going to use more services. So setting up like, quote unquote, staging accounts yeah. where we just have like the Stripe test account and the staging Hasura instance and the, the staging front end deploy. And those are that's kind of like a very tightly controlled environment. And we can run a test where we like wipe out the database. Right. And then, you know, use Cypress's like Cypress kind of advertises this end to end testing because it's a black box. Yeah. So it could it might as well be running like it could be running on a production environment for, yeah. all, for all it knows. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like, filling out forms and yep. making sure that it, you know, it ended up back at the website and it has um, access to the videos that it bought. Right. So right from Cypress's point of view. And that's really all that matters. It doesn't need to know that like the webhook got fired. Right. It just needs to know. Yeah. The same I way the user does. I filled out a fake credit card yep. and I got in, in a test environment. I filled out a credit card yep. and I got access to the videos. Interesting. Yeah. So I think so that's, that's one. Right. So basically when you have this pro like this problem, there's a few ways to deal with it. One is like mocking at the boundaries. Even if you don't mock at the network level, like with Firebase, where you say, I don't know if they use webhooks or HTTP. It's not part of their public API or interface, so we can't like rely on mocking that out. What you do is like you have an object that is the thing, usually like a use current user, that at the at the very edge of your system, you can put it into a test mode. That means you don't necessarily cover the integration code with Firebase, but usually that's really small and never changes. But you do get to simulate that use current user being in a different state for the rest of your app, which is usually where most of the work is. So you can do that for each service, basically. But as you get the explosion of services, you actually need the user in Firebase because eventually... The server-server stuff is like another exactly. layer. Exactly. Yeah. So Stripe might act... Just made-up example here, but yeah. Stripe might say, oh, I'm actually going to pull your user info from Stripe, Firebase. And so we right. actually need like a... Firebase account with a user in it. Yeah. Now that doesn't happen. Today, It'll be. But, I'm but curious. Hasura does. Yeah. Hasura yeah. pulls yep. info from from our Firebase instance. Yeah. Have you ever written a test for any of your apps that have Hasura to Firebase communication for that layer? Yeah. I I actually mock out. So when Hasura goes to talk to Firebase, yeah, it that part is mocked. So that 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 
I'm going to go talk to Firebase uh-huh. webhook, knows it's in test mode. Okay. And it responds with basically what what my test the scenario URL is. that you put into it's just story. like what the test scenario is. so I'm yeah, I'm yeah. a user I'm an anonymous user so then when that goes and talks to Firebase it says oh there's no user here if I say I'm logged in as Ryan and it goes and talks to Firebase mm-hmm. the thing gets intercepted and comes right. back right but if Stripe ever had to talk to Firebase yeah or um, what are other services we use what's like a more realistic one like Stripe I mean Stripe could maybe pull Vimeo data. Cloudinary or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Something like let's say Vimeo lets you like make sure this person was verified, like had a subscription so they would talk to Hasura or yeah. something before serving up the video or something. I don't know. In that case, you would have to like Yeah, actually I don't have a good answer here. I think my answer would be like you need a black box it and you mm-hmm. need you need like dummy services. And and to be honest with you, like a lot of these services don't think about this. Yeah. It's it's an afterthought. Yep. It's you need a testing Hasura instance, just set up a second yeah. Hasura instance. Yep. Firebase was like that for a long time. Only in the last like year or two did they let you run Firebase locally, right? Well, yeah. It's called it's called the emulator. Emulator. Or, yeah. And that's what they say to do, but it kind of starts bending the benefits backwards because if but that's architecture. Yeah. You're back to architecture. Yeah. And like the productivity that you get, you know, from using the service in the first place. Now you have this huge setup. Whereas it'd actually be, if I have to run it locally for development and testing, maybe it's easier to just use a gem in a Rails like ecosystem because I already know how to install a gem. Whereas this is going to be more complicated again because it has to work with anything. So there's some trade-offs there too. Yeah, but I if there, maybe I mean just like future thinking. Maybe as these services get more popular, yeah, like there is a. Um, like one of the features of using this service yeah. is we we provide great testing support and and honestly stripe that's what i was gonna say stripe awesome. has mock stripe mock yeah i think that's community maintained, okay but it's but like still you can throw stripe in test mode yeah oh yeah you can yeah, yeah. sign up and you can yeah. and you can fire webhooks yeah and you don't feel like we're with like um no once we with test vimeo it, we can't do that yeah, like yeah any yeah, video yep. we upload to vimeo that is our production yep. vimeo no account. it's true like we went through and manually tested but once we do that and we go to production, we're not going to need to do as much extensive. We might try to buy a thing, make sure everything works right, but we're not going to have to go through all. We tried changing everything yeah. because that's a contract they have. Test mode behaves like develop like produ- production mode, yep. and that's awesome. So, yeah, and it's solid. Like it's, and it's solid super, to the point super where solid. We like we like, yeah, we're writing all this. All we're going to do is change the API keys, and it's going to work. Yeah, exactly, and, and we don't need to. That's not what I'm worried about breaking because that's right. code maintained by Stripe. Right. What I'm worried about breaking is a code maintained right. by us. Right. And right. that's a, right. that's just, it's fast changing code. Right. That's, that's why. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be interested to see like where we end up because like we both value this a lot and we've seen the benefits it brings to like code bases when you feel really good about test suite. We like writing tests um, in order to make it so that we can add things quicker and not worry about breaking stuff. Yeah. And so... I'll be interested to see where we end up with some of it. Yeah. Um, I reached for tests in like my fitness app, which uses Hasura and Firebase first when the UI started getting complicated and I wanted to be, cause it was time-based there's goals. That's like a very dynamic data-driven app. And so I wanted to be able to say, 
Okay, give me a goal from last week that was completed on Tuesday and put me in this week. Let me see what the UI is. Like that's I had to have test. Yeah, because you don't you're want not gonna, Monday rolls around yeah. and you can't do it. No, that's what was happening every Monday morning. Set up a whole it, new entry. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what was happening. So that's the kind of testing that I'm used to doing at the app level where you mock out the time, you have these different scenarios, you fix, you freeze the time and you set some goals and some events you've completed in the past, entries you've put in the past. And uh, that's like indispensable for me for yeah. building this stuff. But I still didn't really ever test the, the the Firebase stuff because I set that up once and it's worked ever since for like two years now or whatever. So, cool. so, um, but this is going to be more complicated than what I'm doing there. I do some file uploading, next S3 upload. Nice. Yeah, S3 is another service we use. Yep. <laughs> Just services yep. everywhere. I mean, yep. the services are... But maybe that's, maybe that's like part of... Uh, yeah. yeah. We're like very practical when it comes to this stuff. Um, so uh, I like, think there's not a hard answer here. Right. Whereas like if we were work, if you'd talked to us six years ago working on a Rails app, we would have taken the time to test the flows because you could do it. There is an answer. People in the Ember community were like this. I remember Katie was like, was setting up the add-on stuff and she was working on this way to test add-ons in different Ember versions, you know? And she, to me, like embodied that like philosophy where she was like, I use automated testing for everything because like no matter how long it takes me to figure out how to set it up, I'm going to do it because it's like that's a strong value and she just knows, especially open source, it's going to pay dividends. So she literally built, talk about infrastructure, right? I mean, this is like open source infrastructure big time. But that was the Ember Try thing where you can oh, run. Yeah. yeah, Ember Try. So let's say, you you know, and this happens now. And React doesn't really have something like this. But let's say we made what's a popular library for Re- Framer Motion, right? And you want to run tests on Framer Motion against React like 16, 17, and 18. But you also want to run it against like Node 7, 8, and 9 and NPM, whatever. And there's a matrix there. So she, they made, she made a tool originally and the community maintains a tool that lets you specify a matrix of all those versions and it does it because she was doing it manually, right? And she's like, well, we have to automate this. So that's, things, that's like to me an extreme example where you're going to do whatever it takes to get this automated. And so um, you can imagine doing something similar for an app like the one we're building mm-hmm. where whatever it is to get a reproducible you know, uh, environment set up, even if it's freaking getting a Docker container with different user scenarios that you can run and test against. Like yeah. you could do it, but there's, we're kind of more in the middle in terms of that because it's not going to be always worth it, you know, for the business side of things. And so I'm just kind of interested to see where we end up. Yeah. You know, I think we'll probably like mock at the boundaries. Yeah. And then, um, guessing we'll have a few end to end with staging. Yeah. I think that's probably, tests. that feels, and, um, Pretty good to me. Yeah. Um, my whole thing is serious. I made the joke about tequila, but I do. I'm not going to give up. Fri- I'm not going to no, give up tequila. Th- to- to- <laughs> I'm not going to give up uh, Friday night deploys. Mezcal's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I also feel exactly the same way. I mean, I loved. Yeah. I still feel like to this day, we right? Ember Map is like six year old. Started six years ago, but uh, still has great test coverage and if we needed to change we had to change little things here and there after having not worked oh, on it yeah. for like a year it's, or two right. and yeah the, if, the it, test if it has passed, passed deploy it so and it's like an active site or whatever so 
Yeah, that'll be interesting. Anyways, just something that came up as we kind of started the site and we're thinking about all these things. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, it's sure is nice to have three webhooks in an API directory that are like 10 lines and uh, we already have all these features in it. It's pretty cool. So it'll be fun to see how it keeps going. But next week we're going to have the site up and uh, I think we'll talk about it here in the podcast just for early listeners if they want to take a look. Nice. That'll be fun. Nice. Awesome. Okay. That was a pretty good discussion. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.